The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. But do you know what? I love telling young people about Jesus, and that's why I do it. Um, 15 years ago, I moved from, uh, I was working in Sloan Square in London, and I moved to Manchester to the, the most socially deprived council wards in Britain. And, uh, and I walked in, and as I drove up to Manchester, I was driving up, and I was like, I've never been this far north. I get a nosebleed going this far north. Uh, what am I doing? What am I doing here? God, what's going on? And I just said, look, God, as I push the door, open the door, and if, if not, shut, it's shut. So I joined this charity up there, working on the streets. Uh, I turned up everywhere, looked like Beirut, like all the doors were shot through. And I turned up, and this five-year-old was, as I turned up, he gave me a nice little welcome present by doing a poo on the doorstep as I walked in. I was stepping over him like this, and, and I, I realised where I was. Uh, but it broke my heart for young people seeing young people that are the most disadvantaged and uh, coming from the hardest backgrounds and telling them that there's a, there's a love that died on the cross for them, that there's a grace for them, that there's someone that actually cares about them, that gives them monkeys about their life, that has a purpose, a meaning and, a, and an outcome for these young people. And that includes Bromley as well. So we've launched out. We started our own thing. Uh, it's called Light, which is like a charity and a record label as well. And everything we do goes back in to pay us to come into school for free so we don't have to charge them. We come to churches like your church and you help finance the stuff and we bring down a system and a, uh, LED screens and all kinds of like big old subs that um, Jonathan was saying that the bass hit him like a train when it came on, on Friday night. Well, that's the whole point because it's a journey to, to lead these young people to Jesus. And what a greater way than to use music because it's a universal language, right? crosses so many boundaries of creed. My little man behind is nodding his head like, yeah. It's like it crosses faith, backgrounds, creed, colour, heritage, whatever, to be able to speak to young people. And I love doing what we do. On Friday, we, we sold, uh, I think we sold about 300 tickets. And I don't know whether, I, I could be exaggerating, Johnny, but I probably saw about two-thirds of the crowd respond and say yes to Jesus in Bromley. And uh, that means there could be a tipping point in your schools back to Jesus as we see them discipled and kind of enter groups uh, across Bromley. And uh, it's called the Illuminate Tour that we're on, and we're touring around, and there's a few kind of bits of literature that you can pick up at the back. This explains what it is. This talks about uh, what light is as a, as a, a charity, and as it's, not our, it's not our empire, it's his kingdom we're building, and that's why we can't want to come and serve you guys and, and just build church. Um, I could talk about it all day, but you, some of you are really glazing over, like looking at me like I landed from Mars, thinking, what is he gone about? So... Can I just show you a real quick video just to kind of put it into t- context? Will that be all right? Yes. Good. Yes, mate. I like you. Let's go. I talk about this in school a little bit, and uh, that kind of gives you a context of what the schools look like. We take over their lessons, we take over their assemblies, and just put on this, this concert. And you saw the, uh, the kids responding just then, praying the prayer, saying, I want Jesus in the driving seat of my life. Uh, we filled a warehouse in Doncaster. And uh, we sold 700 tickets for it. We blacked it out and turned it into a, into a venue, into a, a rave venue, as you called it. And, um, and that's the one. And uh, preached the, preach the gospel. Uh, when we came to the response, I said, look, everybody go into this other room, this back room. And uh, literally the whole room left and went into this back room. And I, and I stood on the counter and the PA wasn't big enough, so I had to shout across these kids. I looked back into the venue. There was five kids left. 695 young people had responded to the gospel in one go 
And I looked at the kids and I was like, why are you stood in here? They said, we're the youth group from the church. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm in here. And this was in Doncaster. And then we went to Sheffield. We had 1,200 kids in there. 800 responded to the gospel for the first time. The 400 that didn't were the kids from the youth group that come down with all their churches. And I'm just like, this music has this way of creating a platform to be able to speak to these young people, to speak to masses of young people. One of those um, uh, gigs you just saw then is a school tour that we do in, in uh, Holland. And we go into, uh, we see 3,000 kids at a time and then invite them to a football stadium. 35,000 young people turned up to this football stadium. Uh, I, that, was, that was in the summer just gone. And, uh, and I'm preaching at it this summer where we just built this relationship with these young people to say, it doesn't matter about the language, doesn't matter about the heritage, doesn't matter that you don't speak English. God still thinks you're worth something. God still sent his son to die on a cross in your place. And I was thinking last night when... Uh, I was laid in bed and, and my heart's going and I'm trying to you know, think about planning and kind of, am I saying this, am I saying that? And I was just like, do you know what? I just need to preach Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody gets the Father except through him. And because of what he did on the cross, the biggest act of love that could ever have been shown to you and me, to mankind, if we can get that to young people through those little white earbuds, even the dude here was wearing them a second ago and it made me think, those little white earbuds... You know, Nick Grimshaw on Radio 1 this week, he said, he said, yo, he said this, he said something about a statement. He said, it's gospel truth. He shouted it down the radio. And I'm like, does he even realise he's just said something that's like absolutely key to what I'm, what I'm thinking? Because we always go back to the truth. We always go back to, he said, it's gospel. And it, I was like, he's not even a Christian. Or he might be, I don't know, but never want to judge him, do I? But you know what I mean? He even said gospel down, the, down Radio 1 airwaves. And I'm there just going, these young people need to know this gospel, this truth. They need to know that the only way to Jesus, the only way to living on purpose, to living like you mean it, is having Jesus in the driving seat of your life. So this is a girl called Caitlin. And um, I turned up to a school in New Zealand. Teacher comes up, and some of you heard this if you've been in school this week. The teacher comes up and says, yo, I've heard about LZ7. I've heard that you guys, I like your stuff, I like the bouncy stuff and all that, but I've heard a different thing. I've heard that you guys are Christians. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, we're, we're not a Christian band, we're Christians in a band. A little bit like Mumford and Son or Coldplay, just to kind of play it down a little bit. And she was like, okay, that's cool, but you mentioned God, I'm going to call the police. I looked at her, I was like, what? She was like, yeah, man, no outward show. For Muslims, no masks. For Christians, no crosses. Don't say it. She said, I will call the police. I was like, flip, okay. So I said, life's like a roller coaster to these year 10s. They were going mental, like sweating. You know the big New Zealand kids, you understand what I'm saying? Tatsled down their arms, like, Bleh! doing a hacker at the end to say thanks. I'm like, that's not a thank you, man. <laughs> Scaring the heck out of me. Um, and there's this year 10 sat on the side, bright red hair, black everything. And I said, life's like a roller coaster, secret to life. When the roller coaster throws you a curveball, never give up. Just keep breathing. Tomorrow holds the answers to today's problems. This girl just puts her head against the wall and starts to sob. I said, hey, come down to the show. I walked over to her. I said, you're all right. I wasn't really allowed to talk to her, so I gave her a free ticket. I said, come down to the show. I could see her 100 feet from the stage. Bright red hair, just stood all black looking at the stage. Looked a little bit like Alice did when she was a kid. And um, she, I told you. She was stood, look, staring at the stage like this. And, um, and I said it again. I said, life is like a roller coaster. Secret to life is never give up. Tomorrow holds the answers to today's problems. I believe that tomorrow is what Jesus did on the cross. I'm a Christian. That's what I stand for. She sobbed. I said, he designed you on purpose. He designed you for a reason. He designed you to be here like you meant to. She sobbed. She sobbed so hard she made a mascara beard around her face. You understand what I'm saying? Right? So I said to her, we had a security guy, a big tatted guy called Joe. I said, Joe, pop down into the arena. Pick up that girl with the red hair. I'd love to see her. I'd love to find out what's going on. Brings her up to the side of stage. And, uh, and I come off, the music's still going, and I'm like, are you all right? She says, nah, you messed it up. 
I said, have I messed it up? Everyone's raving. Girl, what are you talking about? She says, you messed up my plans. You came in my school on the, on the Wednesday and, and the gig was a Friday night. She says, you came in my school and uh, you told me to never give up. And the music came on and boom, something hit me like a train. I couldn't stop crying. She said, <laughs> she says, I don't even like LZ7. I was like, I can tell you don't like LZ7. That's cool, no worries. But she says, uh, something drew me to the show. Something in the music, the sound, something. I don't know why. But I came down and she said, you said it again, never give up. You told me about a God that loves me for being me, that designed me, knows every single head that's on my head. Bam, hit me like a train again. And I just cried my eyes out. I said, I oh, know, I can tell. So I said, why? Why so, why so harsh? And she said, because I went into my journal on the Wednesday after you'd been in. And I'd set a date to jump off the roller coaster of life. I said, when was that? She said, tonight after the show. She puts her hand in the pocket. I said, what's that like for a year 10? And this is a bit graphic for the younger ones in here, but she said, uh, she puts her hand out. She's got 160 pills in her pocket. She's got two notes, one for her mum, one for her dad, because they'd separated. She felt so much hurt and pain from that that she had to write a note to them. And she had two knives like this, and she pulled her sleeve up and showed us where she'd been self-harming. She said, the pain on the inside from being bullied in school because I stand out from the crowd hurts so much I can only express it on the outside. Trust me, Bromley, we have a pandemic of this stuff happening in schools. The biggest killer of, of young people under 25, men, it's not drugs, not alcohol, it's not fighting, it's suicide. The biggest killer of under 40-year-olds, men, is suicide. Something's going wrong. The devil's trying to steal, kill and destroy, but I'm trying to say, let's take life and life to the fullest to these young people, right? So we stood there talking to her and she said, but you told me there's a God, you told me there's someone that loves me for being me. She rolled it up like a big old joint, a big, a big, uh, a big, uh, <laughs> Sausage roll. <laughs> and she held it out like this and she dropped it into my hands. And she said, I'm not going to do it. She said, uh, I'm going to take myself. She took herself to church to something like that, that Johnny would run. And she said, uh, sends me an email three months later. She says, uh, I'm, I'm in church and I'm with people that like me for being me and they're treating me right. And I, I understand that God-shaped hole is being filled by God. And I, I, I get it and, I, and I'm feeling better about myself. Six months, another one comes. Nine months later, an email comes back. She says, I've been through rehab. And, and I'm starting to get myself sorted. That was three years ago. I walk back into this school in New Zealand. I see the teacher. She's like, no, God, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I got you. Yeah, I know this. This is the same school. <laughs> and on the front row is this lad with a Nirvana T-shirt, the same Nirvana T-shirt that Alice used to wear and I probably wear now. And I look at him and I'm like, I said, yo, yo, smells like teen spirit. He's like, yeah. And he couldn't look me in the eyes. So I said, are you doing all right? He said, no. And gave him a ticket to the show. Next to him is his girlfriend with her arm around him. And uh, she's looking, and she's kind of got arm around. And as I went over and had the conversation, she looks up, and she says, Linz, do you remember me? And I'm like, no. I said, how do you know my name? I said, I hadn't even introduced myself yet. And she was like, you came in my school three years ago. It's Caitlin. It's this girl here. She said, uh, it completely saved my life. I said, I didn't save your life. Jesus saved your life. It wasn't me that did that. It was Jesus that, that literally came in and smashed her world apart and built it back together again. I said, you're worth something. I designed you for a reason. You're here because God loves you, because he wants you to be here. If we play that video just a little bit more, you'll see another kid. There's another kid on here. Just, just let it run. And when it gets to it, you pause it. This, this other kid that's on here is from Big Church Day Out. You'll see a photo come up. She walked up to us at the signing and she said, uh, I came to your show last year and uh, I don't really like LZ7. I've never downloaded your stuff. You'll see it pop up. She said, um, I came home after the show and uh, I was listening to this thrash metal music in my ears and uh, 
I'd taken myself up a tree and I put a rope around a massive uh, rock at the bottom, sent it around the top and I had the rope hanging around my neck. The music in my ears, those little white buds is saying jump, 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 whatever it was that she was listening to. She said I etched my butt forward to pull myself off. I etched my, my, my body forward to throw myself off this thing to, to commit suicide, to end my life. And your song came on in my headphones. She said, I've never listened to your music. I've never downloaded it. And a song called Symphony that talks about being part, there she is. It talks about being part of a symphony. It talks about being part of a design orchestrated us to be together, to be living together as family. She said, and it completely changed my life. I undid the rope and I got down. And I'm now here looking after this kid who's going through the same stuff I was going through. We've got something going on in our nation we need to change. We've got something going on with young people. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know there's a God that loves them for being them. That the, the, the outlet, the way out is not committing suicide. The outlet is not self-harming. When I went back to see Caitlin in New Zealand, she pulled her sleeves up and God had completely healed all her scars. They were gone. I believe God can do that. I believe God can do that in your lives. Not only, not only in the work that we're doing, you know, we're seeing 750,000 young people face-to-face every, every year. We went through a period about two years ago where we didn't get paid for six months. And we were like, come on, God, test my faith muscle. Test my faith muscle, because these kids need to know this. These kids need to, need to know that there's a God that loves them for being them, that's got a purpose for their life. They're going to live like they mean it. And when we're in class, we get young people to make a stand, to live on purpose. And it's kind of a lead on to the gig, because in the gig, I say, I count to three and do the gospel response. If you want to live like you really mean it, you want Jesus in the driving seat of your life, put your hand in the air, and we're going to pray this prayer, and I'm going to meet you at the back. It's that kind of journey that we're on. But I see so many young people hurting, cutting behind Facebook, behind Twitter, Instagram. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus for the bully. The answer is Jesus for the guys that are giving it out. The answer is Jesus in the media. The answer is Jesus on the stage. The answer is Jesus in social media. The answer is Jesus in their hearts and their minds. And how do we get to them? Every kid's listening to those little white buds. So that's why I do what I do. Stick the songs in the charts if we can. If they like it, great. If they, you know, write it so that Radio 1 won't shut the door and Radio 1X will play our remixes and all that kind of stuff. Because that just creates a platform, one side of the coin, to be able to open the door to go into school to tell them about Jesus. And I was, I was preparing for this. And um, you know when, when a preacher gets up and they always say, yeah, I was preparing and uh, I kind of changed my mind last night. You know they're never prepared, right? I didn't, I didn't do that, right? I didn't do this. But I was, I was thinking about this last night and, um, and, uh, and I was thinking about uh, the prep that I'd put into this and I was, like, I was talking to Johnny about it as well. I love the stories that Jesus tells and I love the, the story of three, just three things. And uh, the first thing is there's, a, there's a, a story in the Bible. Jesus' first miracle is when he goes to a wedding in Cana. Now, I don't know whether you know much about the weddings back in the day, but the, the father of the bride, like Alice is just about to get married, so... He's got something to live up to here. The father of the bride puts on a three-day party. You can imagine a three-day party. Like, people are just, they're either hammered or they're just having a right laugh for the whole time, aren't they? But it's to show off his opulence and show his kind of, you know, this is, this is my daughter and this is my, this is my time to show how, how good our family is. And, um, oh, wow. And he gets to, he gets to the, the final day. And uh, Jesus is there, and Jesus is on a mission. He's, he's, on, a, he's on his way to, to, to the cross, and he knows what he's doing. And, and uh, uh, his mum comes up and says, yo, they've run out of wine. You ever been to a party that's run out of wine? It's annoying, isn't it? I'm, I'm from a church that's like a, that likes that side of, of, uh, of the thing, right? Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine, right? 
So Mary comes up and says, can you do it? And Jesus says, well, do, oh, come on. Okay, do it. Do me a favor. Get those, uh, those ceremonial washing jugs. Fill them up with water. These are like 30 gallons full that would be used for washing feet. And uh, uh, go and fill them with water and, um, and, uh, and then bring them back. So they bring them back. And the first thing they do is they, they take it to the, to the chief wine taster, I guess. There must have been a wine taster there, like the MC, you know, you see at weddings and stuff. They pour it into his glass and he takes one sip and he says these words. He says, normally... People bring out the naff stuff at the end. They bring out the Fanta or the, the, the kind of nasty wine at the end. They bring out the uh, stuff because everybody's drunk, they'll never tell. He said, but at this wedding, you've saved the best till last. Jesus always saves the best till last. It's never too late for him. It's never too late for him to do a miracle in your life. It's never too late to do something like he did for that kid there. It's never too late for him to save someone like Caitlin. And it's never too late for him to save someone like you. Someone like me. I walked in here, had a tough week. It might be real difficult. You might be miles off from God. You might be thinking, like for me, uh, doing schools weeks, I was just saying to Alice then that when I do schools weeks, I have a five-year-old little boy. And uh, schools weeks for me now are actually times to sleep. Before, they weren't times to sleep because I never got any sleep. But now I'm like getting more sleep on a schools week than I do at home because I have a five-year-old running around after him all the time. Uh, Jonathan said a minute ago, he said, yo, you really sweat on stage. And I'm like, yeah, you should see me running after my little boy. He, is, he keeps me fit and thin and slender and everything for, for, fit for the job. But the thing is, is that for my little boy, he was ex- the exact same story that we just saw there with Ashley. That was Jack, my little son. He was 10 months old when he moved into our house. At six months, he'd been passed from pillar to post and foster houses and, and all kinds of stuff and, until we adopted, adopted him into our family. I believe he's going to be a world changer. I believe he's going to be a star. He's going to be an absolute legend. And I say to him, who's my world changer? He goes, me. So who's my legend? He goes, me. Who does Jesus love? He goes, me. Who does daddy love? Me. Who's Darth Vader's son? Me. <laughs> he thinks he's Kylo Ren at the moment. And uh, he shoots me every two seconds with Nerf guns. Oh, I accidentally bought like fake Nerf gun bullets. You ever done that? Do you know what Nerf guns are? You know the little plastic rubber ends on the Nerf gun? I bought these fake ones the other day. Offline, online, without thinking that they were fake. I thought they were cheap. They're just great. They turn up and the end is solid, like solid plastic. So he shot me in the forehead the other day and I felt like David and Goliath. I was like, ah, solid. That's so hard. How have you done that? But you see, the thing is about Jack is that Jack knows that he's got a purpose. He knows he's got a destiny. He knows that he's chosen. We tell him. He's a different skin tone to me. He's mixed race. He's half Jamaican and half English. I call him Jim English. He's got kind of... Carmelo skin and, and reddish hair, curly, he's got a wave to it, but he, he's just the most gorgeous looking, looking kid, but he knows from the start that his dad loves him, not just me, but he knows that his father in heaven loves him, he knows that his father in heaven has chosen him to be in a family, and that family's the church, that family is us, if you've had a bad week, welcome back to the family, welcome home, you're welcome here, with your problems, with your stuff that's gone on, with everything that's been thrown at you, you're welcome in a place like this, and you're in a safe place as well. These four walls, they're safe. These four walls is where Jesus comes in and he says, you know what, I'm going to come in and it's never too late for me. I'm going to save the best till last in your week. Sundays, the third day, I'm going to save the best till last. I'm going to send you back into the week with the goalposts set, with me at the centre of your life. Focus on me, run this race with perseverance, Hebrews 12 says. Cast off the stuff that so easily tangles us up and just keep your eyes on the prize. Usain Bolt never looks left or right when he's sprinting. He looks left and right when he crosses the line, when he realises he's beaten everyone. That's what I love about Usain Bolt, because he just guns it. Maybe that's for you today. Maybe this is the time for you to really focus on Jesus, to really run that race with perseverance. 
The other three I wanted to talk about was a, a guy that I like called Jonah. Jonah's very similar to me in that, that God might tell me something and I go, ah, do I really have to? And I leg it the other way and then I go, ah, oh, flip, yes I do because otherwise I'm going to end up in the belly of a whale. I don't want to be in the belly of a whale. God said to him, go to Nineveh, go and tell people about me. Go and preach. He was too scared. Ever been scared? Understand what I'm saying? Runs in the opposite direction. He's on the boat and they're like, the storm's coming, the, the, the waves are coming high, and he admits to himself and he admits to the rest of the, the guys on the boat, I think I'm the problem. So they throw him overboard. He gets swallowed into the belly of the whale. Guess how long that, that fish keeps him in his belly? Three days. You see, sometimes in life, and this is a really tough pill to swallow because I find it really tough to swallow as well. Sometimes in life, we're going through the roller coaster and it's thrown us the curveball and it's left us hanging upside down and we feel like we're sat in the belly of the whale. We feel like life has just thrown us a load of fish puke all over us. You're like, oh, what is this? But maybe, just maybe, we get to that point and that's the point where we listen. That's the point where we, we hear what God's saying because he's talking to us. Because everything else around us is going on. Everything else is going wrong. So we look up and we say, okay, God, what's going on? Maybe, just maybe, that could be some of us here today. Maybe that's me. Sat after this week and I found it tough and I found it difficult and I'm sat in the belly of the well and I just need to look up and say, thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart again. I'll put you back in the centre of my life again. I'll put you back in the centre. But three days later, spat him out, set him free, let him go the third day. The other thing I love um, in, uh, in 2 Kings, if I can just read this, this verse to you guys. A friend of mine's a preacher at church and um, he models himself on a guy called Carl Lentz. I don't know whether you've heard of that guy from Hillsong. Look him up online. He's a good dude. He's, he speaks a lot of truth. Anyway, he just read this verse and it really got me. It's 2 Kings, uh, and 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the roots before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. All this stuff going on, just, just stuff in life going on, earthquakes, winds, but God wasn't in it. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. You see, in all of, the, all of that stuff that's going on, the earthquake, the fire, the wind, we're shouting and we're going, yo, where are you? Come on, man, come help me out. Or maybe there's, you know, in the tough times, at the darkest times, we look up and go, come on, God. He doesn't just want you for the tough times, he wants you in the good times as well. And we shout at him, we're like, come on, we get, we get upset with him and we're like, what is going on? And then he goes, yo, I never even left you because he whispers he's that close. He's that close to you right now. He's just whispering in your soul and he's saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you, I designed you, I created you. He's not shouting, he doesn't need to shout. He's just there in the whisper. He's as close as that to you in this safe place now, in this, in this room. I love that because I, I, I'm, I'm all about noise. If you come to one of our shows, you'll know. Like, it blows my head off. My ears are... I, I don't have tinnitus now because I have, um, I have proper in-ear moulds made because I, I'm a... Four, I don't know how to explain it. I've got ADHD, so I'm a 14-year-old kid. Does that make sense? If, you, if I'm sat there like Alice, sat on the front, or Jonathan, I'll be twitching all over the place. Every six minutes, I twitch and I move. and I, There you go. And I have to get up and I have to move around. And, and that's why I love talking to young people because I feel like I'm a 14-year-old kid still inside. And um, I'll pick that up. Um, the thing, the thing that, uh, that, that really grabs me about this stuff is that I don't need to shout. 
Jesus is there in the whisper. I don't need to make so much noise. He's, he's there in the quiet times. The, our, our, our gigs are like, like, like just, just sub and bass and, and, and music. And, and I write all the stuff and it's all based. Someone uh, the other day in uh, Elton College went up to the teacher and said, um, doesn't really sound like Christian music. And, he, and the teacher went, aha, <laughs> it's not supposed to. And she said, Don, why, why is it not supposed to? And she said, because it's not designed for Christians. It's designed for non-Christians. God didn't come for the healed, did he? He came for the sick. Jesus wasn't the doctor that came for the people that don't need healing. He came for the people that did need healing. And I think music has that amazing ability to be able to cross those boundaries, to say, hey, you know what? We sing a song called Home is Where the Heart is. Kids love the song. It's always our finisher. And we sing it because they welcome home. They've responded to Jesus and we say, you're home. You're part of the family. We're just sisters and brothers from another mother with one father. And I, I love that sentiment. But here's the other three. Jesus' last miracle. It's amazing. The third day when Jesus was stuck on a cross. When we just sung that song a, a second ago about grace. What do they know about grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. When Jesus went to that cross, on that third day, not only did he beat death, not only did he go down and steal the keys to hell, not only did he beat death in your life, not only did he take away death's sting so that we have a hope, a future and a destiny, but the last guy that was on the cross, the other criminals that were there, one of them mocking him and the other one stood there and said, will you remember me in paradise? And he said, you'll be there. I'm just like, even at the last minute, this might be a last-ditch attempt for some of you guys in here, but it's never too late for Jesus. This might be that, that you're, you're, you're doing all your stuff over here, and you're, you're getting on with your week, and you're getting on with your day, and God's all the way over here, but God's looking at you, and he's looking straight at you, just going, yo, you're my boy, you're my girl. However old you are, doesn't matter. You're my boy, I designed you. I made you, I, I, I completed you, and the way to be complete is for me to come and be a part of your life, to be in charge of your life, to help you with decisions, to sit in the driving seat of your life. And we just carry on because there's so much stuff in the way that just muffles out the sound. I watched a video online yesterday that was, it's the, the one where the, the, um, the girl is dancing and she's doing all the kind of floaty dance and, and God's next to her and doing all the floaty dance with her as if he'd created her. And then they've kind of adapted it now where Satan comes in and kind of gets in his way. But now because of all the stuff that's going on, they've got a self-harm guy that comes in, they've got a... A, uh, a work person that comes in, they've got a, a liar that comes in, they've got someone that's talking about alcohol, and they all come in, and there's five of them holding them back. There's so much that can be holding us back from God, so much stuff that, that we do, that people do to us, the sin that we've done, the stupid things that we've done in our past, the stuff we've never forgiven ourselves for. But God just looks at us and he goes, yo, I designed you, and not only did I design you, but I gave you a way out, and it's this shape. Because as soon as we turn to God, like a father, like the prodigal son, as soon as we turn to him, I guarantee this, he runs from this side of the room, across that bridge, poof, obliterates the sin because of what Jesus did and picks us up like a child and gives us a hug and says, you're my boy, you're my girl. I designed you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Whatever your week's been going through, whether you feel like Jonah, whether you feel like you're in the, the fire or in the, in the earthquake or in the storm or or maybe you're in that place where you've stepped out of the cave. That, that verse is about Elijah and he steps out of the cave and he steps out of the darkness into the light and God's close and whispers to him. Maybe some of us today need to make that choice and step out into that light. Maybe some of us need to hear that whisper from God, that little calm, cool 
voice that says, I've got this, I've got you. Whatever's going on at work, whatever's going on in family life, whatever tough decisions need to be made in, in adult life, I try not to make them because my wife makes them for me, but those tough decisions, God's there and he's whispering, he's saying, I'm close, I'm with you, I'm there for the journey. Some people uh, in school, young people look at us and they say, yo, if you believe in God, how come God doesn't just walk in and sort my problems out? I believe that God is so gracious that on the roller coaster of life, when there's that empty seat next door, he parachutes in next to us and sits on the journey with us. He goes through the journey with us. He goes through the ups and downs with us. The way that we, uh, that we got Jack is um, we went through five miscarriages and uh, watching your wife go through that stuff isn't funny. It's not, um, it's not something I particularly cherish in life, but I look at Jack and Jack's name means God's gracious gift. That's the name, Jack. That's what it means. He's a promise because there's a promise on everybody's life that God doesn't leave you where you are. He comes in and parachutes next to you for that roller coaster of life, whatever you're going through, whatever's been thrown at you, whether you've walked in here for the first time, whether you've been here a million times, he's still there for the journey. A lot of people say, how come, you know, that you've not gone through tough stuff? And I, tell, and I, I say, the toughest thing I've been through is watching someone else that I care for so much have to go through that, to watch them have to, to deal with that kind of stuff and that loss and that grief and that mourning and and then I see Jack, and I'm like, yo, you're the result, you're the answer. You're the result to a promise that God promised us, a little boy, and, and God promised us this amazing lad. And if you see him, he, he definitely is mixed race, but he's definitely my son, if you understand what I'm saying. He is as hyperactive as I am. He's crazy into every single sport that you can think of, because God's good. You know, you ask for bread, is he going to give you a snake? No, he's not going to give you a snake. Sometimes it's not now, sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's, it's when, sometimes it's I'm going to sort this out in the future. But just right now in this moment, if that's you and, and it's been tough and it's been difficult, this is for you. If you need to hear God's whisper and you need him to just come close, then this is for you. Maybe something's been going on in life that, that's really that difficult, you can't talk about it, you can't share it, but you can with God because he's whisper, because he's close. Or maybe... You've, you've been so far off and you're this guy. You're the guy that's right over here and you're just like, yo, I'm doing my thing. I don't need this. What, what, what's this all about? Or maybe, you know, every now and then you make a connection and you kind of come back and a bit like me, I used to go to Soul Survivor, very much like Alice actually. I used to go to Soul Survivor and um, I first met Alice when she was like 15, 14, 12, 11. Spring Harvest. Flip, even she remembers. And, um, and I remember seeing loads of kids like Alice who were the absolute replica of me. And I'd go to Soul Survivor, and I'd go to, I never went to Spring Harvest, because they always had wet-proof beds, and couldn't get, couldn't get over it. But I went to Soul Survivor, and Soul Survivor for me would be the half-time thing. So I'm an Arsenal fan, and when Arsene Wenger, oh, it's just a nightmare at the moment, but let's talk about someone else. Let's talk about Alex Ferguson. When Alex Ferguson gets, uh, gets all the, the team in at half-time, he gives them an amp-up, a ramp-up, and, a, and a, you know, the boot in the face, and the, does the, the washing machine, and all that kind of stuff, and then he sends them out for the second half. Maybe this is a time for someone in here that you need to get that kick in the butt, that you need to get that, yo, I need to turn to look at Jesus. When someone says it to me in, in that way, I, I don't necessarily react to the, to the whisper, I react to, the, I react to kind of authority, and I react to, you need to get God in the driving seat of your life, because you're going to make a mistake otherwise. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you react to that stuff better than you would to a soft whisper. Or maybe you're just like Jonah and you're sitting in the belly of the whale and you don't know what to do. 
and you're waiting for that third day for, for God to throw you out and, and to, for the whales to spit you out and back on the beach. And maybe you've been avoiding what God wanted you to do. Maybe you need some boldness and confidence to step out. Confidence is two words, con and fidence in Greek, with faith. You need the with faith to step out and say, I'm going to go and do what God's called me to do. For me, that was moving to, to Manchester. I say for my sins, but it's not for my sins because it's a great city, but we'll be coming back to London real soon, I, I promise. Um, but maybe there's some people here that need to step out and make that choice this week. Maybe that's the, the choice of, actually, do you know what, I need to say this for the first time and put Jesus in the driving seat of my life. Maybe that's the millionth time, or maybe it's I need to be bold to make that decision that's going to affect my whole family, but you've got it, God, because with faith I believe that you've got it. So if that's any of you guys here right now, I'm, I'm simply going to pray, and I don't want to make it awkward for anyone, but if you're here and you're like, I need to live this life like I mean it, and I need Jesus in the driving seat, and I need you close, and I need you here, I'm simply going to count to three, and if that's you, just pop your right hand in the air. But you see, sometimes that's really difficult to do, especially if you're sat with your parents, that's hard, I get that. Be confident enough to put your hand up. Sometimes you're sat with, with people and you're like, oh, I've got to share a problem. Be confident to do that with faith. So as I pray, as we get to three, if this is you and you, you know you, you need to put him back in the driving seat, it could be the first time, it could be the second time, it could be the millionth time, Jesus still went to the cross for that. And simply pop your right hand in the air and we'll pray together. So one, God loves you. He sent his son to die on a cross in your place. All the sin was thrown on him. That rhymed. That's good. All the naffness that's ever gone on in your life was thrown on him. He was like a sponge soaked it straight up. Two, he formed a bridge between you and God so that God has access to you. You now have access to God. You all have access to life to the max with Jesus in the driving seat of your life. And three, when it all comes to an end, we have something to live for. Death has lost its sting because there's an eternity waiting for us. There's an eternity with God, with Jesus, in that safe place where he's close. It's called heaven. That's not something to be scared of. That's something to be absolutely buzzing about. So let's try it. If this is you and you want to do that, I'm going to put my hand in the air straight up. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Good job. Good job. I'll pray and then we'll, we'll go into worship. Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love me. Thank you you have a destiny for me, a future and a hope and something to live for. Come and take your rightful place in my heart. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I do say and think. Please forgive me. God, help me to forgive the stuff that's been done to me as well this week and the coming weeks. Help me to listen to your still, quiet voice. When all the earthquakes and the fires going on around, let, come close and let me... Hear your whisper. Lord, with all the problems, I just give them to you and with faith and confidence believe that, that with you I can do all things. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for eternity. Amen. You guys are amazing. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, I don't normally do a kind of like proper churchy preach like that. If we're talking to young people, it's all you get me, still, calm, all that kind of stuff, for anyone that understands that. Um, 
We do everything on a charity basis. Churches do help us out, but the biggest support group we have is prayers from you guys. If you, uh, if you like what we do at all, please pray for us. Please take one of these leaflets. It tells you all about the Illuminate Tour. Take that. It tells us about light. gives you a background. Matt Redmond's giving me a quote, just telling me how he likes our stuff. Um, please pray for us as we go on the Illuminate Tour around the nation. We're going from Bromley now. We're going to go to Chelmsford and Essex. We're going to Coventry. We're going to Norwich, Brighton, Bristol, back to the centre of London, Manchester. Uh, we fly off to California next week to talk about how we could perhaps do it in, in the States and in Australia to do it over there as well. And it definitely does take prayers, but it also takes a little bit of financial help as well. So if you are sat here and you think, yeah, man, I'd like to get behind these guys, we rely on that stuff. That's the only way we function. And uh, five, ten pounds a month, all that kind of stuff, really just, it just helps. It just keeps us afloat. It doesn't let us go through the six months of not getting paid, which wasn't funny, but it was a good test of faith. So there's a thing on the back. If you want to fill that in, great. If you sponsor us today, I'm going to actually give you an LZ7 album. Da-da! Uh, turn it up in your system, maybe make your speakers bleed, pass it on to someone that needs to know Jesus. That would be the best thing to do. And uh, thank you so much for listening. So let's just worship Jesus. I'll be up the back at the, at the end if you want to pray with us. Thank you for hosting us. Thanks for having us. Thanks